0: anything without looking at testimonials or reviews or, uh, you know, this was good, that was good, that wasn't good. Well, I just wanted to do a, a little study with y'all and, and just give you a testimonial from my own personal life that I've found nothing, not even my bride, not even my daughter, not even my grandson has given me the joy and the blessing and the the peace, the life, the light that my relationship uh with the word of god um has it's changed my life day in and day out for 42 years 43 years I guess it's it's been the thing that is impacted me the most. And we talked about all the different ways that the Bible has impacted me and I trust has impacted many of you. But I just wanted you to know, I wanted you to hear a review or a testimonial that the Word of God is incredibly wonderful and more than able to help us in our journey through this life and that it's the primary means through which God reveals himself to us. I talked a little bit about the fact that he reveals himself to us in many many ways but the way that God reveals himself the most clearly to us is through this word and I realize that not everybody in this room would believe that and That's fine. But I would just tell you that for 3,600 years, the followers of Yahweh, um, that has been their testimony, their declaration, their review, that this book um, has been their primary means through which they have experienced and gotten to know God. Um, I just mentioned the fact that I know better than probably most of you that being a student of the Bible is not for the faint of heart. The Bible was not written to children. It's not a children's book. I realize that there are many children's books that talk about events and people in the Bible. Yay. And the most important fundamental truths of the Bible a child can understand but it's not a book that was written for children in fact it is one of the most uh, challenging uh, complex books that's ever been written um, and it's not for the faint of heart it's, it's a book that demands pursuit and study. Um, And I gave you last week uh, many many reasons why it's challenging and I don't want to get into all that again today. Uh, But it's a hard book and anybody tell you otherwise they're tricking you or they've never read it. And so that's you know, you just keep that, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. Um, Your theological background your, your religious background, your educational background as far as how you approach the Word of God. I said last week, do we approach it literally? Do we approach it uh, figuratively? Do we approach it this way and that way? I, what I would just tell you, um, do you approach it seriously and humbly and continually? Just approach it. My view of the sun isn't really nearly as important as whether or not I just get out in it. And it'll have, the sun will have its way in my life regardless of how I view it. It'll, it'll, if I'll just let it shine on me, it'll impact me. Well, I don't know that I see it the way Esther does or the way Brenda... Just get out in it and then you see what happens. Well, in the same way, just get... Expose yourself to the Word of God, regardless of your view of it, and then you'll see, you'll, you'll, you'll see what happens. I just wanted to uh, share with you today, and we won't get through these, and I'm going to finish them up next week, Lord willing. But I just wanted to share with you, I could have shared 20, but I, so many people approach me with, you know, where do I begin? I want to I read the Bible. I want to get to know the Bible. I want to understand the Bible. How do I interpret the Bible? How do I apply the Bible? And I just wanted to give you, after 43 years of, of journeying through the Bible every day, um, eight things that have helped me get the most out of my time in the Bible. These are not theological Treaties are, you know, these are just very personal. Some of you, I'm going to uh, hopefully not offend you. But I will rattle you. Oh, that we leave the house of God regularly rattled. Oh, that that's what happens to us. Dang! I've never heard that before. I've never thought about that before. I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm going to go home and I'm going to study and figure that out and see if that's right or wrong. Yay. May you do that every week. May I do that every week. But I am going to give you some thoughts and I want you to think about them. These are things that I I don't intentionally go through all eight of these every morning when I get up and sit on my back porch they're a part of me. They're a, they are that which, they're the, the lenses that I use to, to enter into my reading of the Bible. They're the tools that I use to try to understand the Bible. They're, a, they're just a part of me. And uh, uh, maybe they'll be helpful for you too. Um, first one's simply this. The Bible was not written to help us become good people. Let me say it one more time. The Bible was not written to help us become good moral people. The Bible was written to me and to you To reveal to us who God is. If you and I approach the Bible for any other reason, or if you and I approach the Bible and forget that, that the Bible was written from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It was written to reveal to us who God is. His heart, His character. His delights, his sorrows, what makes him glad, what makes him mad. How he feels about us, his desire above all things to have an intimate, personal relationship with you and with me like you would want to have with your bride or your child or your grandchild or your best friend. If, if you and I don't approach the Bible with that understanding that the Bible was written to help me understand who God is and His desire to have a relationship with me and what He did to create that possibility. If we, if we read the Bible, any part of the Bible, and I don't have that as the, the lens uh, there's another fancy word for that for but anyway, uh, whatever you you read, you, you use it to sort of help you understand something. If we don't understand that, if we miss that, that the Bible is written to help us understand who God is, how He feels about us, and what He's done for us. If we don't get that, we're gonna the Bible is gonna become Daunting, discouraging, and frustrating. Excuse me one second. You know what this is? <laughs> this is a shoe. But do you know what I've used it for at times? I do. What?
1: Swat, uh, swat mosquitoes and swat yes? stuff. Throws, throws it sometimes. Oh
0: yeah, well, when we had dog, well, I did. But, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, but, but more than that, do you know what I've used this for at times? A hammer. You ever used a shoe to nail a nail in the wall? Sure you have. Sure (laughs) you have. And if you haven't done that, you've used things, uh, you've used things for purposes that it was never designed to be used for. And when we use things for purposes that were, that's not what it was done for. We can sometimes accomplish the purpose but it's normally very frustrating because you're using something for a purpose that it was not designed. When we approach the Bible for purposes other than the purpose of discovering who God is, how He feels about us, what he's inviting us into, his desire for a relationship with us, and what he did to make that possible, it's going to lead us to be very frustrating, frustrated. The Bible hear me well, the Bible was not written to be a novel. It was not written to be a bio- biography. It was not written to be a history book. It was not written to be a rule book. It was not written, God help you, but some of you believe this. It was not written to be a guidebook for society. It was not written to be a relational manual. It was not written to create political frameworks. We need to get back to the Bible. For, how, for our, our country needs to get back to the Bible. So you're starting a your monarchy, are you? Because that's the only kind of government I see in the Bible. Which king are we voting for or going to elect and let him be king? The Bible was never written to be a political guidebook. It was never written to help you. It was not written to be a marriage manual or a parenting manual. That's not why it was written. It's not a primitive, ancient form of Google. (laughs) I've got questions about life. I'm going to Google that that deal. I've got questions about life. I'm going to go to the Bible to discover them. Can you find answers? Yes. Can it and will it help you with your journey through life? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's not the purpose. And
1: often the answers we find when we look like that, like what to do about this one specific thing, like looking for a manual or something, often they're paradoxical and enigmatic and eccentric in in tone. And then that's, it's not written for 10 ways to have a happy marriage, 10 ways to raise good children. It's it's bigger than that.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, it is hence it leads to frustration of course of course the bible was written to help us get to know God and as we spend a lifetime getting to know God we will begin to see how he sees things value what he values We'll learn how he responds to things. And hence, maybe we should respond the same way. I'll give you a great example. Parenting. This will shock you. Okay, I'm ready. But I have strong views on parenting.
1: I am shocked. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now, I'm not going to get into those with you because it would run off about half of y'all who I think are stark raving mad as parents. Wonderful people. God bless you. I'd love to go to dinner with you. Do not touch my children, because you are crazy. But one of the things that God's Word has showed me is the Bible was not written to be a parenting manual. Ten rules for creating happy, well-adjusted, successful children and one size fits all Mm. that's the that's the christianity i grew up in that's not true children are as unique as snowflakes and god gave your child to you i think no never mind I will just say that God wants you to raise that child in a very unique way. And He would love for you to expose yourself not to His rules, not to even His principles. He wants you to be exposed to Himself. Just be around Him. And let His light and His truth and His love and His grace and His courage and His wisdom to become a part of who you are and for you to discover. The Bible was not written to help us be good parents. The Bible was primarily written to help us understand what a great parent we have. That's why the Bible was written to show us we've got this incredible parent, this incredible dad who loves us and he loves us the right ways and he loves us always the right way and he's committed to us experiencing great life and he'll always be with us and he'll always relate rightly to us and as we discover how amazing he is, we'll start going, you know what? I'd like to relate to my kid the way my great dad relates to me. And it will impact your parenting, but it's not that I discovered the secret keys to successful parenting. That's not, that's not why the Bible was written, at least not to me. It's not a reference book that we go to for rules and solutions and even principles. We go to it to get to know a person. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's good and perfect will for your life. See, it's not that I go to find a verse. It's I go to be exposed to to the presence and the love and the light of God and it will renew my mind like the sun will give me a tan and then I'll know what I'm supposed to do in my relationships with others and in my marriage and in my journey with my daughter and my grandson and my friends but it'll be so unique to me and my relationship with God and it won't look like yours lest anybody in here, we have a number of new people. You don't know this, but everybody else in the room does. Do I believe that every word of this book is both accurate and authoritative for my life? Yes. I believe it is accurate and authoritative as it speaks to history, family, health, finances, science, On and on and on and on. I'm just telling you that it was not written. Something can be true, but that's not the purpose of why it was written. Therefore, the Bible is not a book to be argued about or debated or to beat each other over the head. It's a love letter that a dad wrote to his kids. And that a husband wrote to his bride and if we don't see that if we miss that we're going to be very frustrated like trying to build a house and we're nailing nails into it trying to use our shoe maybe you could get it done but Lord how long and difficult and frustrating that journey will be anything you want to add to that friend? She gets this a lot better. It, it's taken me a lot longer than... I don't know, I don't know sure. if I have
1: anything to add other than the fact that we just live in such a polarized time um, that I think that people... And I think it's always been that way, but not everybody thinks that, but I do. It's always been that way. So right now we're living our turn in a very polarized time. And so that we can use the Bible for our side... Is a, is a way of manipulating this. And we do that, I think, by extracting one verse or one thought, yes. and then equating it for everything, sometimes out of, often out of context, yes. with the motivation being, see, my group is right and your group is wrong. And yes. any time we do that with anything, certainly the Word of God, um, that's at the very least manipulation, um, Yeah, that's all I have. Well, it's not only manipulation,
0: it's... We're missing the whole point. Yeah, you're missing... It would be... How can you debate with me or argue with me about a love letter that I wrote to her? How could you possibly know what I'm communicating to her or her to me? And we need to be so careful about, thank you, using... The word of God to win arguments or prove uh, uh, viewpoints or you can do it. But you've missed the point. Wives trying to use the Bible to show their husbands how wrong they are. And men trying to show their wives, you need to do this or that. If you're a Proverbs 31 woman, then blah, blah, blah. You were using the Bible in ways
1: that it was never intended to be used. And then running from group to group to group, because one sliver of something is... I disagree, you know, I see it this way and you see it that way. Well, we've lost all tolerance for any kind of civil discourse. Yeah. Yes. At that point, I think. Not yes. we, we, but just in general. And so, well, yeah. you think that one thing, so I, I'm out. to, And so we skip like rocks from group to group to group, and we're never settled. Yes. Because there's no settling. When, when this letter is written to, how many, 8 billion people, Individually.
0: Yes, thank you. We're not doing good. No, we're doing um, bad. We're going to do, do the second one. We'll see. We're doing bad. The first number one and number eight are the most important, so you will see the rest of them. Number two. Oh. <laughs> it's very important that we understand, and for some of you, this is going to be hard. I'm sorry as I can be. The Bible was written. To be a book of meditation. The Bible was written to be a book of meditation. It was written to be meditated on. That's why when, when David says in Psalm 37 that we should delight ourselves in the Lord, that's a farming term. And it it's the idea of a cow eating grass and chewing and chewing and chewing and then swallowing and then regurgitating and chewing some more. That word delight means to ponder. It means to consider and wrestle with and ponder the attributes of God. The Bible was never written to grab us by the ear or scream at us in the face or slap us. The Bible was written to be pondered, to be read, to be wrestled with, to be prayed over with the confidence that as I expose myself to the truth of God, to the, to the face of God, to the presence of God, and I think about it, it will change me, I will grow in my ability to understand it. And to embrace it. Uh, 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 Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's the exact same word as delight. Taste and see. The, it's like a bite of something that, that you eat. And it's so good. It's like a Rishi cup. You bite into it, but you don't want to swallow it. You, wanna, you, wanna, you want it to stay in your mouth. Because it's so good you don't just eat it a big bite and then you just swallow it no it's it's you want it to melt in your mouth if you will that's what when the bible says that we are to delight ourselves in the lord and taste and see that he's good that's why david says in psalm 1 blessed is the one who meditates on the word of god day and night it's to be read slowly And quietly it's to be read in an environment where I can ask questions what was written right before this right after this where is this in the overall canon of 66 books is this a part of the mosaic law a part of the historical books a part of the poetical books a part of the prophetical books a part of the Gospels a part of the the doctrinal books a part of the um, uh, of, of Revelation Where is it? What are the key characters that are are here? What are the big events? How is this connected to the rest of the Bible? Is this a part of something that I've seen or noticed over and over again before or after? The Bible was written to be read quietly, slowly. It's not grab the newspaper and these people that are zooming in the highway late for work, going 80 miles an hour, whizzing in and out of traffic, and they're listening to the Bible on tape. Or or not on tape anymore, but however you do it. Zooming down the road. I read my Bible. No, no. Now, you would say, well, Larry, I I don't have time to, to give God 15 minutes of undivided, quiet attention. This is the only way I can do it. Doing it wrong is better than doing none. I'd rather kiss my wife wrongly than not at all. Okay? I yield there. But if you're wondering why you don't get much from it. It was, it was written in a way to be meditated upon. Yes.
1: Anything you would add to that? Even that word is can be divisive and scary for some people. Like, Oh no, what's that you know? I'm not that talking not humming. What does that mean? Or it, anything like that. All of you nothing hum. Nothing wrong hear. with humming. Yeah. But just no, just yeah, thoughtful. It is a thoughtful
0: and, book. As all timeless, enduring, impactful literature was written to be. The, the greatest authors, the greatest stories, the greatest poems, the greatest works of literature throughout time, the reason my wife teaches certain things and not other things is because it, there are things there that you will never get. You'll never see them. You will miss them. The author put them there but you will miss them if you just zoom through like I did with Cliff's notes. If I was, if the teacher was lucky, I read Cliff's notes, but I missed everything. Everything that was of value. <laughs> I did, I did. I'm sorry, I did. And I, to my loss, it was to my loss that I did that. I'll do one more real quick, or we'll do one more real quickly. You'll have to listen to me. I already told you that I think everything in the Bible, including the genuine leather on the back of my Bible, everything in the Bible, every word in the Bible is true. It is accurate, authoritative, applicable to my life. Every bit of it. But while everything in the Bible is equally true, not everything in the Bible is equally important. Yes, Second Timothy chapter 3 says that all Scripture is inspired or God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. Every bit of it. But it's not all equally important. Isn't it... Do you find it? Did you, do you read the Bible slowly enough to notice when the Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed? Where have I heard that before in the Bible? maybe the first few sentences where God breathed into you and I, His very presence, His very image. He took dirt and He breathed into this dirt and He created us. Oh, that He longs for His Word to be that which is God breathed, which He will use as His primary means of breathing His image into us, His likeness into us. There are parts of the Bible that are more important than others. That makes you uncomfortable. Help me. Help me. Do you not? Do we not see that the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, John chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter uh, uh, 12, Romans chapter 8. Do we not see that those chapters are infinitely more important, not more true, but infinitely more important than um, the, the the building materials of the tabernacle or the clothing uh Materials of Aaron the high priest. There are parts of the Bible that are more important. And hence we should focus on those parts. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We should focus on those. And you might say, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, did not Paul say the same thing in 1 Corinthians 15 where he said, I am passing on to you what is of first importance the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. Is Paul not saying this, of everything in the Scriptures, this is of first importance? We must focus most of our attention on the parts of this love letter that are of most importance. The parts that are... Well, how do I know what's most important? I'd start out by just asking the simple question, what's repeated the most? What what was most important to your mama when you were growing up? The parts that she said over and over and over and over again. God's no different. What is repeated from Genesis 1 through Revelation 22 The most, as my bride so wisely put it, um, this idea that we're going to—well, let me just say, let me start off by saying this: at the same time, I will not understand the most important parts of the Bible if I don't read all of the Bible. If I don't read all, if I don't understand. What the rest of the Bible says, I will not understand the parts that I am focused on.
1: It's a cohesive unit.
0: Yes, it's one book.
1: And so it would be like reading, um, it's not a mystery novel, but like reading a mystery novel and getting about halfway through and being frustrated, perhaps, that you don't know who the, the culprit is or whatever. Well, that's the whole point. You're supposed to read the whole thing. And see how it 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 works as a cohesive unit, and it's not that the little details along the way aren't important; they just might not be quite as uh, directive toward the ending. And they're just contributions to the overall journey. Yeah, and the overall focus. If you stop in the middle or three quarters through, you're like, "This stupid book." They never did tell me who the, you know, who the villain is or who you know.
0: Or, Or just reading the last couple of chapters. Well, I, I, got, I got the basic story. I read the, I, I read the last page. Yeah, I'm good. But you missed the beauty and the... the, the, the well, I'll just leave it at that. As many of you have been with me for a while have heard me say, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Is that what the Bible says? No. That's not what the Bible says. That's what that verse says. If I want to know what the Bible says, i got to read the Bible. i got to read the Bible. The parts that I like and that are easy and fluffy and make me burst out in kumbaya, and the parts that are hard, and challenging and offensive to me as, an, uh, as a spoiled, rotten, money-centered, selfish, uh, easy-living, middle-class American. There are parts of the Bible that offend the fire out of me. And I know it does you too in other ways, other parts. But I got to read it all. Or I will never glean from it that which God wants us to have. I'll say one more and then I I promise we'll end. Do or, well, I'm not going to ask a question, I'll just tell you. We have got to approach the Bible with the understanding that God has provided someone to help us. Shirley and I have been blessed. We've traveled all over the world. We've been to the best museums in the world. We've seen the best sites in the world. And it's been a blessing. But there is, it's the difference in night and day when we have gone to museums or gone to cities or gone to places and we paid the money to hire a guide to show us around versus us just wandering around. It's to, to explore and it, there's so much beauty that you get a lot of great stuff just by walking around by yourself but if you ever pay the money to hire a great guide to help you see Rome or to help you see whatever any, the, the, the Louvre or the British Museum or London or, or whatever when, uh, it's the difference in night and day God has provided the Holy Spirit to help us. He is waiting every morning. When I get up and sit in my chair and I take the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is waiting to guide me and help me to understand what God wants me to say. He's committed to revealing to me what's important and how to apply it to my life at this moment in my life. That's why Jesus says in John 14, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. He says two chapters later, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, as we ponder the glory of the Lord, His Spirit will transform us into His image. Isn't that a lovely promise? As we ponder the glory, the, the weight, the value, the wonderfulness of the Lord, the Holy Spirit will transform us into His image. He is ready. It's not me in the Bible. Lord, what do I do? Where do I begin? What do I read? What do I make of that? Do we see that the Holy Spirit is right there? And if, if I want His guidance and interpretation and application and understanding. He will show it to me. And He'll show it to you. You're not near as big a hard head as I am. And if He'll show me, I know He'll show you what He wants you to see and know and embrace and how to do that. In your journey with Him for that day. That day only. And the next day, we'll start over again. And He'll show you new stuff for that day. Those encounters, those battles, those temptations, those problems, those needs. He'll show you for that day what He wants you to know and how He wants you to respond. It'll be fresh every day. I promise, that is my experience for 43 years. He's shown me that and He'll show you that. If you just... He's not going to yell... He's not going to yell at us. He's not going to grab us by the nap of the neck. And, but he's, he, he's like, I'd love to tell you. I'd love to tell you. Today you're going to need this. Today you're going to be in this situation. Today you're going to need this wisdom. And he'll speak to us. Maybe it's not audible. Maybe it's not with thunder and uh, uh, trumpets and, you know and all that kind of stuff. But he'll speak to us and he'll help us. If we'll let him.
1: And then you want to add. And when we have a need. Just glanced up and saw Esther again. And thought of her testimony this morning. Um, When there's a moment. When the roof is leaking. And the toilet doesn't work and we open our hands and say, I don't even know what to do next. That's when the angels come. That's when, if, if, we're, if we're aware that it's possible, when we're at our deepest mm-hmm. sadness or need, is when we often, I, in my experience, when we throw up our hands and, oh, well, look here. I should never have been in this place. Well, we're all in that place sometimes. And that's, when the Word of God speak, can speak.
0: Yes. And not only will he speak to us, maybe the word that he speaks to us is just wait. I've got this. Just wait a minute. I am ordering everything. And then he's telling somebody else, go knock on that door.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've got to, I've, I. I'm, I want you to be my voice. He'll show us. He'll teach us. He'll guide us. But we've we've got to... He's a dove. He's not some goose. Ha! 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 That's That's not the way the Holy Spirit... He's a dove. He's very quiet. He's very quiet. But He'll speak to us for the things that we need to know that day. And He'll speak to us primarily through His Word. I cannot emphasize that people tell me all the time. The Lord told me to do so and so, and I say, "Where? Where did?" And I'm not sure it's last night's pizza or uh, what it is, but He'll speak to us through His Word if we'll let Him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, friend. God's Word is amazing. Oh, that we would delight in it and treasure it. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper as we are dismissed. And I invite you to come. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15? This is of importance the gospel that Jesus Christ lived and died and was buried and rose again according to the scriptures according to the scriptures we eat and we drink each week that which symbolizes his body and his blood just to remind ourselves and one another This is of first importance. That the Son of God gave His life so that we could have relationship with His Dad. That's of first importance. What about this? And what about that? And who'd you vote for? and Do you drink? Or do you not drink? Or do you watch this? All that might have some kind of... Well, might be something. I don't know. But this is of first importance. That Jesus came and lived and died and was buried and rose again according to the Scriptures. And that's where our hope and our life and our future rest. If that, is, if that describes you, well, I had a bad week this week. I didn't really live for the Lord. I didn't read my Bible the whole dead gum week. The Holy Spirit didn't talk to me all the whole week. I better not go. You need to go. and that, You need to take two. Is what you need. Don't, don't not come. Come and get twice. Not joking about the twice, but, but, uh, but Jesus invites us all to come when we've had good weeks and we've had terrible weeks.